that hasn't. Feed me! Feed me! Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who, and in this episode, we will be discussing Idiot's Lantern. This is from the 2006 series with David Tennant and, of course, Billy Piper. It is set in 1953 London. And who is discussing who tonight with me? Well, someone that we met in Hulanta or at Hulanta this year, Candace Young. Candace, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I, I thank you guys for, for including me. I appreciate it. Well, you're quite welcome. We met you on our panel. You joined us on a speculation of Doctor Who panel, and that's where we got to meet you. Officially, I should say, the interesting thing was you had been in some other panels as an attendee, and I had seen you, and I'm going to ask the other two gentlemen on, did any of us know until we got there that morning that Candace was our other panelist? No. I did no. not. I no. didn't either. That, I, I think we we remarked on that at the time that we said, well, we knew it was going to be somebody. We didn't know it was going to be you. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> yeah. So, Candace, tell us about you real quick for anyone listening to the show. Who are you and how did you find Doctor Who? Well, um, right now I actually I'm a hotel restaurant tourism management uh, hospitality professional. And I work at um, our wonderful new here in Atlanta, our wonderful new Mercedes Benz Stadium and guest services. So if you ever come there for a football game, a concert or a soccer, say hi to me. Um, I discovered Doctor Who when I was about 12. I was clicking PBS channels like everybody else. And there was this woman in her underwear running for her life through a sewer being chased <laughs> by a gigantic rat. Oh <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I sat through the whole thing and I became hooked. And it, of course, it was The Talents of Wayne Chiang, which to this day is my favorite Doctor Who episode. With And Leela is my favorite companion. And, and Tom Baker as the fourth doctor is my favorite doctor. And so ever since then, the ups and the downs, it's been my show. Since, yeah, since I was about 12, which has been over, and I'm not going to say how many years, but it's been a long time. <laughs> so an interesting question. You just happened to meet us at the same Hulanta where Leela was the guest of honor, and Lee got to ask about the giant rat running through the sewer. So, yeah, how was it about meeting that exact scene of all exactly? This. So, <laughs> how was it meeting her and seeing her? You know, if she's your favorite companion. Well, you know, it's interesting. I didn't particularly ask questions because I'm not shy, but I I kind of get, wanted to just kind of sit back and listen because my first Hulanta, she was supposed to be the guest. But she bowed out. She had um, work and Mary Tam took her place, which I think really worked out because, of course, Mary Tam is no longer with us. So it was it was really interesting because every every um, every interview I've ever seen with her, she's always come across as very soft spoken, very ladylike and the consummate actor. You know, I was so impressed. It's like every role she she plays she really thought about it, whether it was Leela or whether, you know, Blanche on her other show. It just I just there's such an admiration I have for her that this woman, no matter what she's doing, she thinks about it. She 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 puts her heart and soul into it. So that's, I think, why I always loved Leela. I know people had issues with her outfit, but I always felt she respected that character. And so it was just it was nice to see that what I had always thought about her was just really true. Just a consummate professional, soft-spoken, just uh, just a lovely vibe. I was really impressed. It was great to see. Excellent, excellent. Well, we are glad you are here, gl glad you decided to join us, not only on the panel, but also on this episode. And who are we? Well, we've already heard both of those voices, so I will take the person who is not in the same city as me, Lee Shackelford. <laughs> How are you? Hungry. 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 <laughs> Hungry. 
<laughs> oh boy. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to last. Yeah. Nah, yeah. So how are you for real other than yeah, hungry? I, I'm actually not hungry. So uh, yeah. Uh, grand. Just grand. Um, been traveling around and it's good to, to settle down for a while. We're, we're not hustling hither and to right now. So it's very nice. Well, welcome back, my friend. And Thank you. The other person, of course, welcoming back, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Feed me. Hungry. <laughs> I'm through. Um, no, I'm doing quite well, sir. Um, enjoying, going to enjoy my day off tomorrow. So, yeah, Fourth of July, everybody, you know, celebrate America. Oh, yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, if you're listening to us, well, this won't go out tonight, but it'll go out a couple of days. But regardless, it's a totally dated episode. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That that that's that happens all the time because yeah. you know I learned something, and Lee, you'll remember this. Something from Louis Trapani with Podshock, and it's something I often repeat on this show: is don't assume that they're even not listening to it this week, but somebody may be listening to us years from now. So sure, um, absolutely. It's 4th of July for somebody somewhere in space and time. So there you go. Yeah. And uh, I'll just add that if you're a new listener to the show, because it seems like we have an influx of new listeners somehow. uh, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Uh, Join in. Have fun. Welcome aboard. Yes, absolutely. And someone who uh, I'll just kind of chime in on or piggyback on what Clarence just said, not only if you're listening, but if you want to send us feedback, please do. Whether you agree with us or not, whether you like the episode that we're talking about, or you don't like the episode that we're talking about, please send us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. You can send audio feedback, or you can send written feedback. And speaking of written feedback, we got feedback on episode number 111, which was our review of School Reunion. And Joe says, have happened across your podcast thanks to a posting on the Hulanta Facebook page regarding the question of why Sarah Jane is such a favorite companion. Like many, I came to Doctor Who in the early 80s when PBS broadcasted it here in the U.S. In those years, Tom Baker was my first doctor and my first episode was genesis of the daleks so from the start my viewing was sarah jane a capable female character and competent companion she was my first companion in the series and like how some have their first doctor as their favorite i believe that can be said of companions as well and i agree with that what about you guys what do you think i thought he summed it up nicely i think he did too (laughs) All right. Well, anyone who is listening again, we welcome your feedback. You can send feedback to host at H-O-S-T-S at discussingnetwork.com. So one other thing before we get into the news, I want to recognize Bill L. He is a new patron to the Discussing Network. So, Bill, thanks for coming aboard and uh, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, and if anyone else wants to join in on our journey and help us out a little bit, you can go to patreon.com slash discussing network. Cool deal. Yes, you can. And you can, and you can, um, pledge an amount anywhere from a dollar to, uh, 11 billion dollars. <laughs> billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Pinky, pinky finger wagging. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I actually, you know, I don't know if you guys could sense it through the audio waves, but I actually did my Dr. Evil impersonation while we did that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Lee, I think uh, we've got a little bit of sad news. I think you actually pointed us maybe in this direction first, because it was a bit of irony that we reviewed in our last episode, the two-part story, Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, and we actually, you know, commented on the character of Mrs. Moore in the uh, episode. Um, sad news is that she passed away this past week. So thoughts and uh, prayers are to her and her um, and her family. Yeah, it was a very uh, – I don't remember why it particularly crossed my, crossed my email stream, but I had just been saying how much I like that character of Mrs. Moore and, and you know, how sad it is that she – she dies in the episode. We're not going to see her again. And then, yeah, just yeah. after we were talking about it, then then we learned that Helen Griffin had passed away. And she was uh, 52. Mm. So um, I think that's right. 59. 15, 
Yeah. No, okay, you're right. I can't do that's, math. Can't that's do still math. extremely young, though. It I mean, still yeah. is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's she's just a couple of years older than me, and I consider that way too young. Yeah. And it's a sh- and it's also a shame because had she not passed because of Big Finish, we could have seen Mrs. Moore. That's true. Because that's very true. The very alternate true. Earth. Yeah. Yep. So again, thoughts to her family. So that's oh. you know anytime. I mean anytime. You know, someone passes, that's, that's sad, but that's unfortunately a part of life. And I, I know the longer Doctor Who stays on, the more we're going to see, unfortunately, people who, um, you know, who pass. So that happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we, I don't think we had this on our list of, of news items, or maybe we've really talked about it before, but when, um, uh, Joe wrote in and, and mentioned Genesis of the Daleks. It reminded me that um, we now have the first year of uh, the the fourth Doctor on Blu-ray. Um, I remember that we talked about this on Podshock, but I'm not sure we've talked about it here. Well, feel um, free. Tell, fill us in. Um, it's been released on Blu-ray uh, in the UK and in the US, so people in the US are snapping up their copies. One of the reasons it's interesting um, Maybe this is me as a sort of a marketing minded person, but it has the 13th Doctor's logo on it, a picture, mm-hmm. a picture of Tom Baker, and it says season one. Oh. What? Hmm. So we, I, I challenge anybody who's kind of new to the fandom to pick that up in the store and make heads or tails of it. Um, do, do we think they're trying to redo it to where each Doctor's arc is going to start with season one? Is that what you're... That's the only way I can figure it. Hmm. It sounds like confused people who are new. <laughs> it's certainly going to confuse people. If they but, go that route, you know what that makes me think of? We had talked before about... No, go ahead. Oh, we, we had talked before about um, just the question of them putting the 13th Doctor's logo on everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to 1963. So um, that'll be interesting to see as the next batch of toys comes around. But, um, uh, but yeah, we, we, but, but the, the, the season one thing, that was a surprise. That was a real surprise. But you were going to say, no, no, no. I, I was going to compare it to something else that Clarence mm. has heard me complain, complain before about in the comic book realm. Renumbering which, comics. Yes. <laughs> and if you're renumbering doc- doctors, like Marvel renumbers comics, mm. yeah. I don't like that concept. Right. Well, we've had what five Superman number ones in the last <laughs> five years. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, on, on the outside looking in, it does make a little sense if you want to get caught up on Tom Baker and you don't right. know the real season. <laughs> right. You can kind of say, okay, I know I I left off somewhere in season two of Tom Baker's run. Of course, you can Google it in like five seconds. But, yeah. you know, it, to see season two of the Tom Baker era might be a little more clear for people going back and consuming the classic. And, and I guess that if you're a new fan, you've probably heard people like Candace and me say, I was changing flipping channels on PBS one time and said, the hell? <laughs> and <laughs> and, I, and then, yeah, then I've been with the fourth doctor ever since, because that seems to be most people's experience of a certain mm-hmm. uh, in a certain time and place. So. So, yeah, let's say. Everybody start here. This is this is season one. It starts with the robot. Ignore that guy who's lying on the floor at the beginning of robot. He's not important. <laughs> We're, we'll find out about him later. Yes. So the next one I want to pick up on also comes from Block to Who. It is an announcement that, and I'm probably going to say this gentleman's name incorrectly, so I'll uh, I don't apologize up in advance, which is Segan Akinola, maybe, perhaps. Oh, that, that would be my guess. <laughs> you think? Yeah. All right, hey, what do, you, <laughs> what do you guys think? Sagan, Segan Akinola? Probably Seg- Segan Akinola, yeah. Sounds good. Close, uh, close enough. <laughs> okay, hey, if y'all think so, I, I, we'll, we'll learn. He has been named yes. as the composer to replace Murray Gold. His name might as well be not Murray Gold. Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. So what say you guys? Are you excited to not be Murray Gold or does it matter? I'm excited for it not to be Murray Gold. I I mean, I, I've enjoyed. I mean, I've, I, you know, I have the music and everything and I, you know, I love I love him. But I think it's time to go in a different direction. So I'm excited. 
I'm, and I, I have to say, I know some people out there are going to scream too much political correctness, my childhood, yeah. Yeah. because of Whitaker and a young black man. But I think it's a, I think just someone young from a different British culture, a different segment of, of British culture. Yes. I think that, I think it's going to be exciting. I do. I, I, and I think they should change up the music a little bit more often anyway. The composer, maybe, like they sure. do the doctor. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm a get- Whitaker, Akinola. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we get a new title sequence, why not a, a new theme composer every time, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I did a quick Google about him as soon as, as he was announced. And um, the, the dude is obviously a, a mind of no common order. I mean, he, he's, he's a child prodigy and has been winning awards as a, as a performer and a composer since he was a, a wee tyke. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's basically Mozart, and that's fascinating. So, plus, didn't I? Re- I know I, I read about his background. He won mm-hmm. one of those British talent shows, mm-hmm. which I think would oh, wow. probably will keep the younger people. A lot of you know, they often feel they're they're le- they're losing younger people. I think from uh, I think with somebody who was on a a talent show that yeah. a lot of young people watch. They'll be they'll be excited like oh I remember him from and I can't remember the name of the show yeah but I know but it was really one of the Britain's Got Talent or one of those I know here it is yeah. the the BAFTA Breakthrough Brit BAFTA yeah yeah that's right if he's the BAFTA Breakthrough Brit that's no I think you're right Candace there there are people who will tune in for to the show just because they'll be hearing his music yeah that's... exactly they'll be yeah you know, young we want to keep the younger people involved <laughs> absolutely. Well, I listened to some of his work just because I'm obsessed now after Murray Gold. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved his work. I mean, it's kind of what you said, Candace. You listened to him. You thought he was great. But just the excitement of something different. And if any time is a good time, I think this is the perfect time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. Because I don't want anyone to think that I didn't love Murray Gold. I, trust me, I had those CDs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the merchandise to prove it. Yes. Exactly. So last week we debated and we talked briefly about the quote unquote at the time leaked Doctor Who footage. So before I get into the news item of this week, I want to ask Candace: did you see the 50 something seconds that was leaked online? No, I missed it before I, it, I, they cleaned it up before I could watch it. I saw it and then I was going to, and I, and it, it's missing. I haven't been able to find it. Gotcha. So <laughs> we, we talked briefly about, well, we didn't talk on here because I didn't want to spoil on here what was seen. Ha- having said that though, our speculation that the BBC leaked it on purpose Ooh. was anything further from the truth it looks like and it was just like helen griffin passing just as we had done rise of cybermen and age of steel is that you had just released our episode in which i said (laughs) i don't think this is a leak i think the bbc released it when we learned it was a leak and the bbc is not happy so yeah i mean especially (laughs) i was especially if they were like I mean, from politics to TV shows, you know, a lot of posturing is done to gauge, you know, what people are going to think of something. Right. And it's, and especially the segment of clip that was leaked, it was a good insight into what we'd be getting. And it just seemed, it just seemed perfect for, you know, release. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Very that, surprised. That's what I thought exactly. If they were going to release 45 seconds of Jody, that would be the one to do. Yes. Because yes. it has it, it's it's bait. It has us it has us wanting more. Okay, so I'm gonna have to go in, in search. <laughs> yeah, you got Somewhere it. Yeah. In Sweden, someone has has it. Yes. <laughs> so, gentlemen, let me ask you this question, and then I'll answer it for myself. The fact that we three have seen that f- which was leaked, do you regret seeing it? Are you happy that you saw it? What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I don't think it answers a lot of questions it just gives us a basic kind of feel of what we're going to get with jody whitaker i do like the fact that it kind of gave us an introduction to the other two younger characters mm-hmm. i thought that was, that was really cool because you know yeah. we got a, a pretty good introduction of them i mean going having known not much of anything we we, we know kind of who they are at the core um of, of at least their profession so yeah 
We know they're yeah. coppers. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with it. I probably wouldn't have sought it out, but, you know, having seen it, I don't think I've been spoiled too much. Mm. Lee, what do you think? I, I was really, I was teased. I really, I just loved watching how active her brain is and just uh, the, <laughs> the sort of a beautiful uh, rapid fire stuff that is, that's what I think of as the doctor. You know, yeah. uh, one of the things we love about David Tennant's doctor is the, the motor mouth thing. I just love that. But, and and I did say this uh, when we talked about it last, uh, last time, that this is her in her pre, in her post regeneration thing. She's still wearing Peter Capaldi's costume. Um, so who knows what her settled character is actually going to yeah. be. So in a way it, it may raise more questions than it answers, but, um, uh, but that's cool too. Okay. So here's my thought from the perspective of a fan, just as a fan, I am like giddy to giddy you know, Oh my giddy aunt kind of that, that, that I actually saw that because it just kind of settled in my mind that I'm going to love this doctor that said from the perspective of someone who tries to map out a podcast and is going to say at some point, Hey guys, let's do a speculation of series uh, 11 uh, episode. The fact that I've seen something takes away a level of speculation of wonderment of not knowing the unknown that I had before. So part of me is happy. I saw it. Part of me goes and wants to unsee what I've seen. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. But I guess that's any time you watch a spoiler. So, <laughs> but here's the thing. Speaking of spoilers, if anyone has not seen the idiot's lantern, hey, what what do you call that? As if not a segue, if <laughs> for anyone who Very has slick. not seen idiot's lantern, here's what you need to do: put us on pause, go watch the episode, because from henceforth, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. 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 And I'm hungry. All right. We have given the spoiler warning. The spoiler warning has gone out. And we are now going to review The Idiot's Lantern. It's the seventh episode in the second series, again, of the 2006 series of Doctor Who. And it was originally broadcast on the 27th of May, 2006. It was written by Mark Gatiss, and it was directed by Euros Lynn. It was set in London, 1953, at the time of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. In the episode, the incorporeal alien called The Wire intends to regain her physical body by consuming enough energy from the minds of the coronation's television audience. That information, of course, courtesy of Wikipedia. So I want to ask you a question for the three of you. And Candace, I'll start with you. General thoughts. What were your general thoughts on the story? Hmm. Well, I hadn't watched it in a while. Previously, you know, I'd, I'd probably watched it maybe three or four times, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And I found, because I watched it earlier this morning and took notes, my feelings about it hadn't changed. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> Which are. You know, sometimes you, you your feelings change yay or nay and i found it to be a perfectly fine serviceable episode and with a with aspects that i really loved but the actual story itself perfectly fine and serviceable um i kind of it was what i really loved it was just it kind of i felt like like a half an hour was missing I feel like when I'm watching it, there there's like there are elements that aren't explained, and I feel like I need I need more information when I'm watching it, and I want to know more about the wire. And I think because it is yeah. a basically fine, absolutely fine story, but say not on the level of something like uh, Midnight, where you don't know about you know you that's still a mystery. I felt because I felt like I need more. I mean, I need to know more about the wire. I need to know more about the family. I just, I felt that it's perfectly fine, but I felt like there was a lacking in, in, in the story. Hmm. So it's perfectly fine. I, I feel like it's something I, I've watched it and I enjoy it, but I could be doing something else 
while watching it. I'm not wrapped. Ah, so it left you hungry for more. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. There are things I love about it. I think, and should I talk about that now or just wait later? <laughs> are we going to talk about what we love? You know what? Let's let, let's hold that for just a second because I want to get Clarence. What what did you think of the high level? You know of the story. Boy, um, you know I think this was a story to where um, I guess Gatiss wrote wrote the story. Uh, we have this cool event, this cool historical event. Let's let's make a story around that, and that's that's kind of how I feel about the episode. I I feel like overall it's really weak, but a good concept because i like the concept of everybody gathering around their television for this historic event i mean as witnessed by the wedding that we just saw um you know last month uh that you know the queen the royal family they put people in front of their computers and tvs to watch these type of things so i felt that that was a very good premise for the story that being said i i kind of agree about the wire i wish I, i i think there was a lot of time wasted um, by sort of the zaniness of the episode where we could have been learning more about the wire and, and maybe seeing them come, come, come here or seeing her come here rather than some of the playfulness that I think was kind of wasted in the episode. So, uh, overall, uh, I'm, I guess we'll get into it, <laughs> but what about you guys? <laughs> All right, Lee. I remember that I saw this when it first aired and said, eh. And I think that part of that was coming down off the high of the previous of the two parter that had aired, you know, just previously. Um, so I always thought maybe the Idiot's Lantern doesn't get a fair shake. It has to compare with Age of Cybermen and or Age of Steel and Rise of Cybermen, um, which I just loved so so very much. Um, so I, I was I was eager to give it a, a second chance this time, and I think I did enjoy it a lot more this time. Um, really got into it as a horror story, which it is. Um, and, um, I really liked that about it. And I had really forgotten, strangely enough, the whole sort of sub story about, uh, the Connollys, about what's going on in that family. And that, um, that sort of resonated with me in a different way than it had, uh, 12 years ago. So I, I thought that was, um, it's terrific, and the effects are quite striking. There's, uh, it's, it's, uh, they, they've got a city street there that they make into 1953, and all the appointments and costumes and everything are just, are just gorgeous. So, that's a lot for me to enjoy. Um, struck me this time that we were watching the coronation of Queen Elizabeth, um, and of course we had just seen a, a story, uh, Tooth and Claw, that is about her great great grandmother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, her great grandmother. Um, and also that thanks to the crown, uh, we've learned, and apparently this is true, that televising the coronation was almost entirely the idea of Prince Philip. Oh, wow. Who in the crown is played by the 11th doctor. Matt exactly. Smith. So it all comes around again. You see, it's all <laughs> wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this more than I have in the past. So that that's me. How about you, Kyle? All right. So for me, I enjoyed it, but it's not something that, you you know, I'm like going to write home about it and say, oh, this, you just got to watch this episode. It's one of the greatest of out, out there. I want to agree with Candace. I did feel like that there was something that was missing. I don't know what that was, but, you know, I, I didn't feel like, oh, well, I can stop doing what I'm doing while I'm watching it because I need to make notes. Because there wasn't that many notes to be made about it because I didn't find a lot of meat in it. Um, it was just there. And I kind of um, want to compliment or comment, not compliment, well, compliment anyway, but comment <laughs> on something that Clarence said, which is, you know, Mark Gatiss loves to take those historical events. And, and you said it very well, Clarence. He took an event and made a story around it. And I... I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but as a story, I just don't think this was a very strong story on a on a big scale. Yeah. And and it's like we had this Lee mentioned the through line of the father and, and how he was treating the family, you know, the 1950s version of social justice warrior, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it, 
it it felt I wish they would have maybe flushed it out a little bit more because it almost felt to me like how the first doctor felt in a Christmas special, you know, just a little too off. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's how it was in the fifties. I don't know. So that brings up an interesting question and, and kind of taking from there. And Lee, I'll let you take this one as an answer first. Who do you think is the villain of the story? Hmm. I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if there's anybody that I kind of want to get my hands on is Mr. Connolly. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, because the, the, the wire is, um, an entity that, um, you know, requires, um, the sacrifice of lesser beings in order to survive. And so that's, you know, um, for us as Marvel fans, we call that the Galactus question, right? <laughs> is, is that, is that bad that, you know, cause we all, we all consume, you know, lesser creatures. We do. Uh, yeah. you know, so is that, is that, is that so wrong? Hmm. Um, but of course the wire has a particularly horrible way of doing it. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know what to make of the wire. And once again, we have a, we have kind of an interesting villain that we've never seen before or since. So um, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be interested in seeing a wire story again in the future. So, Candace, what do you think? Who's the villain to you in this story overall? Overall, I would say it's the wire only because I I feel like we don't get i mean they basically give you exposition through the do- exposition when the doctor shows up okay here's you know i was my people so you don't really get a feeling i don't want to say you don't get to know know it her but i feel like there's it's just exposition okay this is what she's doing so i i think because there's not a lot of nuance or flesh flesh that character being fleshed out she's like it while Connolly. That was probably one of my issues. They're a happy, loving family before the credits, you know, before the um, the credits and everything. Yeah. Happy. Cut to suddenly the father is narking everyone out. He's abusive <laughs> to his wife. Mm-hmm. And I guess I understand what they're saying, that the, the, the stress and and so forth of the situation of, of what they don't understand and changes. But that was it felt so rushed. That I can't. Mm. And then at the end, Rose, t- you know, tells um, the young man, you know, go talk to your dad. And so he's going to get some what seems like a little bit of redemption. So I can't I just felt like the, that character. I needed it. I felt he's not really the bad guy. He's even the film. Do- I mean, the Doctor Who doesn't want him to be because his son will go and talk to him and try to work it yeah. out with him. So I felt he suffers mainly from the lack of, <laughs> of nuance. So I'm going to say the wire because she's a, tr- you know, a basic evil entity come down to kill us all. Hmm. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> I just wanted Mr. Connolly to have a little bit more nuance. I felt like he was really <laughs> great at the beginning and suddenly he's evil. Is, is that why you were saying maybe this story needs another half hour? Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I felt like if this was old, you know, earlier Doctor Who, this probably mm-hmm. would have been at least a six parter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, that's true. You get to know the character slightly more and, mm-hmm. and their progression from from loving family to, you know, fractured family. Mm-hmm. But the wire. Yeah. <laughs> so, Clarence, what about you? Who's who's the villain to you? Uh, I agree with her, what everyone said. Definitely the wire. But I'm going to take a bit of a different spin. All right. I'm, I'm going to say, what if they try to the writer? try to insinuate that maybe the villain is the television. You know, they make the statement early, early on that uh, television corrupts the brain into soup yeah. or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll it'll come come pouring out, out of your ears. Yep. Yeah. I still so, say that to my stepdaughter. Too. <laughs> so, so maybe they try to put a subtle thing in our head that maybe the television is the, is the, the villain in the 1950s. And maybe if this was made today, it would be smartphones and computers, you know? Well, uh, as we saw in the previous episode, right? Yes. Having having a butt in your ear is just asking to be turned into a silent man. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, antennas used very effectively. Um, <laughs> right. To transmit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, I I like the little spin on maybe how technology might might be part of the problem. But definitely we ha- we have to say the wire in this. What about you, Kyle? All right. So here's for me. I I agree. I'm going to keep saying I agree with everyone else. For me, the wire was kind of null and void. I mean, it was more of a comedic 
point with the hungry, hungry than it was as <laughs> actually being scary. I mean, I thought I, I found that entertaining, not not scary. Eddie, on the other hand, the the father, for some reason, struck a chord with me that I just at the beginning wanted to see. And I, and I guess this is bad of me, but I wanted to see his downfall. You know, I wanted something. I wanted the wire to get him. I mean, I wanted him to like suffer for some reason, <laughs> but, um, which, which he does and which he yeah. does. Yeah. But, but what I found interesting and maybe this is age, uh, you know, for me, because the last time I watched this episode was right before, uh, tenant regenerated in my watch a thon of all David Tennant episodes. So it's been 2009 since I've seen this. So having said that at the end, I looked at him a little bit differently because I wondered in my notes say, say here, um, I don't remember thinking this way before. And I happen to wonder is he just a man of his time that his time had ran out? Mm, yeah, I, I think there, there's a there's an aspect of that that uh, um, the, the kind of dad as bully was a little more uh, socially sanctioned then than it is now. Um, but um, y you know what, folks, we are letting Magpie completely off the hook here. <laughs> well, but wasn't Magpie maybe just trying to? He didn't want his. He was stressed, and he was just trying to save himself. But yeah. Preservation is that bad? Well, well, I guess that's the question I wanted to raise because you know when when a when, when an evil leader takes over and you say right you are, uh, I'm going to help uh as long as you make me the prince, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Complicity is a I don't know. <laughs> it's complicated because yeah, he is. He 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 may, he he really feels like he doesn't have any choice. But um yeah. There's not a lot of compassion for the people whose, whose faces he's getting sucked off to. <laughs> you brought it on yourself, he tells uh, the doctor and the, the cops. And, yeah. So w one one other thing I want to say real quick before I forget about it with uh, the Eddie character. And, and like I said, I, I want to say it before I forget about it. The reason that made me think that he was a man of his time there is a scene where they talk about the son sitting with the with his mother and they say something about him being a mama's boy and the mm -hmm. aunt i don't know if that is on you know eddie's side or if that's on the uh, mother's side but she mm -hmm. says something to the effect of well you know what they say about mama's boys you better beat it out of him eddie yeah. And, right. you know, yeah. I was, that was what I think was my saving grace for him was maybe that was just the, you know, what was expected of Eddie to be at the time. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I have a question about Magpie. Do we think that Magpie sought out the wire or do we think that it just was by half and chance? Um, didn't we see an opening scene where he was just sitting there working and it, came up behind him uh, on the television. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, he's in yeah. debt, and he says, I need a miracle. Yeah. Maybe this, and that was one, maybe one of the reasons I was saying that um, I wanted more to know about the, the wire, because maybe sh she and her people sought out, they fed on your emotions or something. Mm -hmm. I kind of don't let you know. You just feel like, like she was, she she was, I don't know, Whatever it was she was doing, she 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 connected with him out of all of the people, you know, in England. So it's kind of kind of vague, like ha maybe it's just happenstance. I don't know. It felt like it was just a, um, a, a, a I don't know. I literally don't. It feels like convenient, r convenient writing, I will say, not really organic to the story. Yeah. I think there are a lot of conveniences in this script. And, and and this many years later, as he's written so many more things, I bet you Mark Gatiss would probably say the same. Because <laughs> yeah. skipping ahead to the end, it really bugs me in a story like this where people have had their faces sucked off. That once the villain is, is thwarted, everybody's okay again. Yeah. It, if if the villain has been feeding on them, then there should be something missing from them. You know, yeah. otherwise she hasn't fed on them. <laughs> so they can't all just go back to the way they were. That's just, you want them to, of course, 
but it doesn't make story sense, and that that always bugs me when that happens. So, Mark, 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 Mark. Well, it yeah. ma- it bugs me the fact that they're just standing around, you know, some for weeks, and obviously they haven't eaten, they haven't slept, they're just standing there. Yeah. Well, the doctor says that their uh, grandma's uh, that her brain is barely ticking over, so apparently it it does neutralize part of the energy in your brain. I. You know, it's a throwaway line, but it helped to explain that at least. I, yeah. But but it, and and then like I felt the the story was a bit disjointed in the fact that we had the I'm assuming they were policemen investigators coming taking people off, mm-hmm. and we see where that really didn't accomplish anything. It really had no meaning. They were just taking them, you know, ransacking the houses. Maybe I missed something, but I really didn't understand why they were doing that, and it didn't make sense in the end to me. Okay. Uh, unless unless they were researching them or something, that I didn't get. <laughs> No, the the, uh, the the police officer said that they were, or the doctor said that, and the the, 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 the copper agreed that uh, they're just trying to keep the the place tidy for the coronation. You don't want to have people with no faces wandering around, yeah. you know, while the eyes of the world are on the. <laughs> yeah. on I was England. getting it so, like, yeah, I mean, like in Brazil where they were walling up um, all the the poor parts, the ghettos, and so forth, and getting rid of homeless people for the Olympics, right. so exactly. they could see it. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot going. It's so interesting about the story. There's a lot of metaphor yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. of everything. It's just so much and and just a lot of vagueness. <laughs> That's where I'm missing that half an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there are a lot of things here mm-hmm. that if we had a, another episode. Yeah, this should have been made during the Philip Hinchcliffe era with the, exactly. <laughs> the fourth Doctor and Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> but oh well. Oh well. Yeah, and and we do see where Rose kind of goes off on her own adventure, which we don't see the doctor really letting her do that all that much. So I, I felt that was kind of interesting that that she kind of ran off and did her own thing for a minute. I, I had forgotten all about her confronting Magpie that way, and uh, I, yeah, I thought it was a it's a turning point moment. She she's the doctor. Oh yes, one of my favorite moments of this episode. Yeah, is is when Magpie slowly shuts the door. <laughs> locks uh-huh. and puts the right. key in Take his pocket. Locks That's with like the key. Classic yes. horror. Classic yep. horror. <laughs> yep. Loved it. Yeah, I agree with you. I like that for a minute. She's, and he has a secondary, Tommy is his secondary uh, companion for a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they used to do earlier in the series where the companion would go off somewhere else and then whoever was the guest star would be his companion for like, for however long, for a short time. That's I kind of right. like that. That was a nice touch. So did you guys think that this was the first episode where we really felt like there was a courtship, for lack of a better word, between the Doctor and Rose? Are we, have we, I know we've hinted and felt of that a little bit some before, but for some reason, for me, this episode just felt like they were out on a date. Hmm. Hmm. I, I didn't really particularly feel that. Um, I do like how I guess they were trying to get to America uh, for 1950s in America, and they wound up in London. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I I kind of feel like they made this episode in the silo. Say, oh, okay, we made it need to put this at the beginning of the season or the end of the season because they make no mention of Mickey that I remember. Um, mm, that's true. And you, and you think that would be a good you know hook from the last episode, but they mm-hmm. really just whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, but they were, it was weird seeing Rose in the, the 50s dress. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a slick back hair of uh, David Tennant. So, I don't know. I really didn't get, get the courtship thing. Um, to me, it's always, to me, to, to Rose's dismay, uh, it, it, she's kind of there sometimes to, for the doctor to have the doctor moment of, oh, no, you didn't mess with my folks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody's going down, you know, it kind of felt like that. But, but I don't know. I didn't really get the courtship part. See, I've always felt, I kind of agree with you, but I've always felt since the beginning when it came to Ten and Rose that it was always a courtship. Hmm. I mean, because it's different with Nine. It's a little, it's definitely different. And I guess maybe I've, I've felt this way over the years. I kind of feel like the doctor becomes what he needs to be at that moment. And I, I always, maybe, I don't know that I've always thought that. I think it's probably recent in the last few years that he became basically young and hot and cute <laughs> for 
it's just the more I watch it. So I, I have always felt, and not with all the other doctors, but I've always felt that the 10 and Rose relationship was always romantic, not nine and, you yeah. know, and not the war doctor, but very specifically. So I don't think I felt this was, I felt, yeah, it's like they're going on a date, but I've always felt that their relationship was that, at least in the last few years, the more I've, I've rewatched, I've always felt that it's kind of, yeah, he's my boyfriend. I mean, <laughs> they, they pretty much tell you that when she gets her own, um, her own, her own doctor at the end. That's just always been my opinion. Well, certainly, yeah. <laughs> when when we were doing um, New Earth, when we were doing our review of New Earth, it, it really struck me this time that when Cassandra uh, is inside Rose's head, she mentions that now she knows, she, Cassandra, knows that Rose yep. has been checking the doctor out. Yeah. She says, you've noticed. So just on a purely animal level, it's um, <laughs> I, I think that confirms that pretty well <laughs> yeah. from, from her point. Hmm. Interesting. So. And, you know, interesting of what Candace said, that's similar to the argument that Vastra made to Clara talking about how he had put on this mask of being young and being accepted by other people and that the 12th doctor was just removing that mask of, you know, the young, handsome, courtable mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. This is a reminder who he really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh- I think that works because it completely kind of off topic going back to when uh, the doctor becomes the fifth doctor. And I, I wonder if I've just over the years I've, I've evolved to this. I've always thought it was kind of his, um, his rebirth. He's always been older and more mature. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he wants to be young and sporty and fresh and wears a cricketer outfit, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I do wonder, though, if I've just been thinking about because the new show has influenced that. So I think, yeah, I kind of uh, I may be overthinking it, but that's what I've always thought, that the every every new incarnation, there's a reason it doesn't just happen. The doctor on some level does it on purpose. So, Candace, what would you say is your favorite moment of this story? My favorite moment. It's not so much a moment. I love Three, two things I really love. I love the way that this is filmed, the cinematography. I love the angles. Yeah, I, it's the, beautiful. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like the. I, that's why it gets it. It it, it does, It's not a bad story because of that. I think the way it's filmed and the costumes and the color, because it's like this really to me this bluish this bluish washed out look, but really stark and clear at the same time, if that's possible. So I just love the way it's filmed. I love the color. I love the costumes because I notice at the end, the the last, the way it's filmed, it's much brighter because it's obviously supposed to be a brighter day and everyone is filmed in, everyone is filmed at those last moments appropriately. In other words, straight on without the weird camera angles. And when the doctor is on the, um, what is it? The, uh, Antenna tower thing. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I love the way it's filmed and I love the, uh, the color and everything. I, so the, that's my favorite part. It very much reminds me again, like I was thinking fifth doctor, like something he would do. So and the, that's the thing I love the most is the look and the cinematography. It's great. What about you, Clarence? What do you think? Uh, favorite moments. I think I like the historical aspects. Um, <laughs> It it led me down a rabbit hole on, on Google <laughs> to kind of look mm-hmm. up some of this stuff that you know you know but you don't you know unless you're just into this. Um, and it makes me kind of want to watch The Crown just to kind of get some of this backstory of about this interesting woman uh, that's the queen. So that's that was by far and away my favorite part of the of the episode. Just kind of get these historical nuggets of what was and which I'm guessing is real footage from then maybe it really is okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so that's i I really love that aspect of the of the show all right lee boy favorite moment that's um i I really liked uh the doctor taking charge in the connelly house um and uh (laughs) and putting connelly in the corner uh hanging up bunting you know i i uh, that, that's what struck me this time. I just really enjoyed that. And, and I'm, I'm like you, I don't know if that's cruel to really enjoy that or, or not, but, uh, yeah. it was still fun to watch. 
And of course, Rose, who can't resist getting one last shot in on her way out the door. I just <laughs> only an idiot hangs the Union flag upside down. Bye. Yeah. yeah so, so you and Jack when it's at sea. Like okay. <laughs> so am I? Because that this is my favorite moment here. And I'm assuming that she basically just told him something she made up about hanging it upside down. Is that correct? I really don't know. Um, I, I know that there is a protocol about how you hang any flag, but it looked to me like he's hanging bunting the way. I mean, I was in Windsor two days before the royal wedding, and I saw bunting hanging like that everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it's wrong. Um, I don't know. So, so I, I don't know what that was about. So Maybe it was just making him feel stupid. Well, that's it. I think she yeah. she just lied. <laughs> she just wanted him to wonder. Yeah. Uh, so that was my favorite moment when uh, Rose did that purposely to make him whether whether it was correct, whether she lied, whether she made it up, whatever. That was the embarrassing him was my favorite moment. So Dave Cooper, if you're listening, send us some <laughs> feedback and let us know oh, how in the UK we're supposed to not put or put or whatever the rights and wrongs are with that flag. So, <laughs> all right. So one of the other things that we've started recently is giving our favorite quotes from the story. So Clarence, I'm going to let you take this one first. Was there any quote that stood out to you that you liked particularly? Mm, I think I already may have gave mine. Uh, the one about the television corrupts your brain into soup and it comes pouring out of your ears. That'll, that'll be mine. That's true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TV, computers, all that mm -hmm. stuff, you know. <laughs> so, Lee, what about you? Do you have a favorite quote from the story? It struck me this time, but, I mean, I literally punched the air, as I think I always do when uh, the doctor says, do you know why? Because now, Detective Inspector Bishop, there is no power on this earth that can stop me. And he's right. And I realized I always love these moments where the doctor says, well, it's like, Amelia Pond, get your coat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's always those moments like that. Like I, I am coming to the rescue. And of course, you know, the, 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 the ninth doctor one just brings tears to my eyes, you know, uh, uh, because I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to blow every stinking Dalek out of the sky. Yeah. It's it. You know, this is who we want our heroes to be. Right. And it's just, um, it's a great moment. You know, Rose is in something terrible has happened to her. He's going to make it right. He's going to fix. Love that. What about you, Candace? I know this was at last minute to give you the idea of a quote, but did you have a quote that you can say was, well, oh, that was interesting? wasn't deep or anything, but I always laugh whenever she says it. It's when they're, they get out of the TARDIS and they're going to see Elvis and Rose wants to see the 70s Vegas Elvis. I love that line <laughs> that she does like the tiger thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I just think it's funny and it's, so rose that you know she and her her mom would want to of course they want to see the 70 vegas elvis i just that to me it was very funny and very yeah. rose. <laughs> well well to make your make you feel better mine wasn't very deep either because the favorite thing that i heard out of the entire episode because especially considering where technology is now was looky at that telly box thingy the picture's so clear <laughs> telly box thingy the telly box thingy the picture is so clear <laughs> all right so this is a question for all three of you are there any other thoughts observations any comments that you guys want to make that are anything that i've missed that you want to talk about from this episode so this is for any of you guys i probably would say just Probably this is one of the most, I don't know, the most science-y, fiction-y, more science fiction focused I've seen, I had seen the show in a while, you know, dealing with like electronics and, because hmm. usually, you know, there it's very fantasy, science fantasy. I've never thought of Doctor Who as, as science fiction, as science fiction, more like science fantasy with lots of other things. So I, I noticed that I, I thought it was the most, at least science fiction that the show had been in a really long time. Mm. Which is in South Africa. I think that's really true. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, though I guess there's a lot of that in, uh, Cybermen and Age of Steel too. But, uh, but yeah, this, this is almost like a, like a Quatermass film or, well, I don't know. Now, now that we've said it, I, I, it really does feel to me like it should be a fourth Doctor adventure, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a four parter. 
So I think as a yeah. fourth parter, a four parter, even a three parter, it just to flesh it out a little bit more and w- would have made yeah. a much better story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now I'm seeing the brigadier, maybe, uh, yeah, unit. They're all there. I yeah. thought about that. I was like, where's Torchwood? Where's the unit with all this mm. going on? Yeah. It That's right. They, like- they do mention Torchwood. Yes, they do. They say something yeah. to the effect of, you better watch it or we'll come to the attention of Torchwood or something. Right. Like yeah, it's thrown away. But it's why a, they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just add, in, in addition to maybe an episode that probably can be played anywhere in the season for the most part, uh, to me, it felt like it was, I'm not going to say cheaply made, but it maybe it was a budget episode. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there was some, some CG in there, but it wasn't a whole lot. And it kind of stayed pretty much um, uh, in, in very normal looking locations, though they did have to do the 1950s production, like, uh, like Lee said. Mm. So, so, I mean, maybe a budget and, and episode. And climb the BBC's biggest, uh, broadcast <laughs> tower, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do have okay. to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I will add, too, that, um, I did like the faceless special effect. I thought that was really well done. Uh, it almost looked like some CG or something effect to it that they may have layered on top. But I really liked that. I thought it was really believable, and and yeah. All right, so let's give our final ratings on a scale of one to five, with one being mm-hmm. very bad and five being absolutely fantastic. So uh, we'll we'll go with the guest of the evening, Candace. You get to go first. So what was your rating? I be on a scale of one to five. I would give it a two point five. I think it's okay. But that it gets a little extra for me because of the gorgeousness of how it's filmed and the aesthetics. It's it's gorgeous to look at. Two point five. All right. So since I'm always accused of waiting to the end and then wibbly wobbling a uh, rating <laughs> around, I'm going to say that I'm going to give it a two point. I'm going to give it a two point seventy five because I was able to take something different from it this time than I would have the last time. I would have probably have given it a 2.25. So I'm going to give it a little bit higher this time because I took something away. I, I think I learned something. So 2.75 for me. Uh, Clarence, what do you think? Um, I think I'll probably give it a 2.93. And that's simply because the fact that I think David Tennant, and I haven't spoke, <laughs> mentioned this uh, before, but I think his energy in the episode is kind of what makes it as good as it is. Because kind of without his high energy that he brought to this episode, it would be really bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm say about a, a two nine three somewhere in there. All right. So last but not least, uh, I'm going to go go way higher because, uh, like I say, I really did enjoy this more this time around than I had before. I love the historical stuff. I really enjoyed the fact that that's actual video of, or, or yeah, yeah. Uh, video of, uh, Elizabeth, uh, being uh, crowned. And, um, uh, and I think Clarence is exactly right. I think David Tennant is spectacular in this story. Yes. Um, <laughs> we should do a shout out to him using his unrivaled knowledge of trans temporal extirpation methods to neutralize the <laughs> residual electronic pattern. Yeah. I'm going to tape over it. That's uh, that connects to uh, magic doors in the girl in the fireplace. Right. Um, but uh, just love him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say three and a half. Ah, cool. Cool. Well, before we do our wrap up, I've got a question uh, for the two classic fans here. And this was something that just popped into my head when we were talking about the episode. This weekend, I was watching uh, on Twitch uh, TV, the streaming Doctor Who uh, stories, and they were showing one of the third doctor stories with Sarah Jane that had to do with someone bringing dinosaurs to the present. Do do you, does either of you know, or do either of you know which story that is without me looking it up? I'm just curious. It's called something of the dinosaurs. It's, um, (laughs) it really is. It's, uh, yeah, I'm sure I can find it, but, uh, so, so here's what made me think of it. And, and, and this is kind of comedy, you know, a little comedy here. There was, uh, the scene where in this episode where they are taking this cart of apples or something and, and are, and there's these people, um, that are sweeping every time they, you know, hide the people there. They've got this thing 
like this road that isn't a road or whatever. So that reminded me of a scene from what I saw on Twitch this weekend. And it was basically two unit personnel that was behind this little small cart, looked like an apple cart that they were hiding behind that basically they were bigger than the cart itself shooting <laughs> at this man mm-hmm. in a dinosaur outfit that looked like the dinosaur had something <laughs> wrong with it. But the funny thing was, and we were watching it, and I mean, literally, it was one of those where your stomach's hurting, you're laughing so hard, because we watched the uh, dinosaur move back and kind of hide behind the side of the building. <laughs> so just gotta love Doctor Who. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, it's called Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Yes, okay, yeah. so and, and and the the uh, when people want to pick on the show, this is really one that they can always call out <laughs> because of uh, because of the uh, it, it, it's a script that was just it's just too ambitious for the show to have live dinosaurs going around in London when you really don't have a way of making that happen. I'm sure it looked fine on paper. Uh, yeah, especially but, uh, when those dinosaurs had behind the side of the building. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, sadly, Robot is another one of those because there is a, a moment where the, the, the robot has grown to gigantic size, as they do in, you know, kaiju movies. And he's carrying he's carrying Sarah Jane in one hand, like King Kong and Fay Ray. And it is very obviously a little doll. I mean, her hair is completely <laughs> wrong and everything. And, and and then you're thinking, wow, at least this can't get any worse. And then the G.I. Joe tank rolls out. Oh, and, boy. Uh, and it really looks like a plastic toy tank. And you're saying, oh, geez, <laughs> just look away. <laughs> just look away. It's, See, that's it's, what we have to remember. It's supposed to be a children's show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't it's have said made it on a, Made on a tiny budget in the early 70s when, when people's TVs had a lot fewer scan lines than they do now. But they are. Yeah, so, but the picture was so clear. That's right. We, we, we heard it in uh, <laughs> Idiot's Lantern. I'm getting Land of the Laws vibes here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, can I, yes, sir. Can I do just another honorable mention can. here? Absolutely. Um, so we know officially now that the sonic screwdriver is a weapon because the wire says so um, when they're being zapped, having their face zapped off. She uh, said he's armed. Yeah, he's armed. So, hey, it's a weapon. <laughs> I guess if I was an electrical entity, I would I would think of that. Yeah, good point. Good point. Mm, very good point for both of you. <laughs> All right. So let's do our closing here. And this is an opportunity to just go around the table and tell everyone who is listening where you can find out more about what we're working on. So I'll take this first. Anyone listening that would like to check out what we do on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com backslash discussing network. So, Candice, if anybody wanted to find out more about you, is there anywhere you would like to send them and where they could do so? Yes, I have a Facebook page. It's called Young in the ATL and Beyond, and it's a hotel, restaurant, travel, tourism site that I just uh, make recommendations and post things about uh, how to have a great time all around. Good deal. And, of course, I'm also on LinkedIn. (laughs) if anybody's interested. All right. Well, we will have those two links in our show notes. And again, thank you for joining. We want you to come back. We've had fun with it. I totally enjoyed it. I I really, so call me anytime. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So Lee, where could people find you? I always like to point people towards my radio drama serial relativity, and you can learn everything about it at relativity podcast. Dot com. Although I guess I haven't made any n- mention on the website right now that we're no longer number four on Potomatic's spoken word category. We're number three. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Awesome. And speaking of, you have a very um, special, I'll call it, uh, episode coming out, I believe, this week. Is that correct? For, for patrons, probably for patrons only. I, I don't know if... To release that one to the general public. It may ah. be only for people in the inner circle. Oh, well, then that just so, means yeah. another reason to become a patron of relativity. Exactly. Or you'll never hear Kyle interview me. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. That'll run people off. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe run people well, too. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, everybody wants to 
wants to hear that, don't you? Yeah. So that means you need to go to patreon.com slash relativity. Cool beans. Well, last but not least, Mr. Brown, where might others find you? Yeah, if you're into tech and you want to hear some 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 people talk about some tech news, you know, uh, you should check out my brother and I's podcast, which is called Techpedition, which can be found at techpedition.com. We cover all of the Apple, Google news in the tech sphere. Uh, check us out. Good deal. Well, again, for anyone who is listening to us for the first time, thank you for joining us. If you've been with us for as many episodes as we have been around, thank you for joining us again. And we will be back next time. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.